Welcome to The Experience of You, a podcast on how to own your personal brand and have the mindset to get your goals and live your dreams. People who lead with an authentic and positive personal brand create the ultimate experience for others. And when they do, they get what they want, personally and professionally. It's not about likes and followers. Don't let others dictate your brand. Take control of it and own it. Throughout this podcast, brilliant people will help you learn how. I'm Dave Thompson, and here's this week's guest. The education of student athletes in the college world is critical to their college experience and pivotal to their life after college. That's why I'm excited to have with me today Justin Miller, the Senior Associate Athletic Director at Temple University for Academic and Career Services. The center provides comprehensive academic support services to more than 500 student athletes throughout their career as Temple Owls. In this leadership role, Justin oversees a staff of six academic advisors, two learning specialists, six graduate externs, and over 50 tutors. Justin came to Temple in 2010 from the University of South Florida, where he served as the Assistant Athletic Director for Academics and Student Athlete Development. He has master's degrees in business administration and sports business management and has worked with the National Football League's Player Association, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Cleveland Cavaliers, among others. Welcome, Justin, and thanks for joining me today. David, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a huge responsibility to help guide the athletic and academic success of more than 500 student athletes. So let me start by asking you about the successes of the Resnick Academic Support Center, and then describe your day-to-day responsibilities, please. Sure. Yeah, uh, thank you. I think it's the evolution of the Student Athlete Support Services at at Temple is a story that I think I do my best to tell, but it is one that's special and unique. I arrived at Temple in 2010 at a time when the institution was going through some changes, some leadership, some focus on academics. We actually, there was a point in time where some of the NCA metrics were some of the lowest in the nation. We had a lot of work to do. So when I was charged and I came in through this process from USF, as you mentioned, you know, with hungry and, and youthful energy, which some I still have, but the idea of shifting a culture and providing leadership to a unit that was well-resourced and had a lot of the pieces in place, but needed connectivity and relationships and needed some of those things that I remember through the interview process, like I can do all of this. And so part of what we work to do during my time is really establish ourselves as value added to the athletics department. So reporting through the vice provost at the institution, which I think is an important distinction to make, we report through the academic side, but serve the athletics population, I really work to establish a strong connection with coaches, with athletic administrators, with the student athletes to make, to really help let them see what's possible on the academic side. So we started chipping away and cleaning up some of the processes and procedures, some of the philosophies of the unit. And now fast forward, it's not even 10 years, within the last five years of my tenure, we've been setting records academically every semester through GPAs, which is something we measure team GPAs and individual GPAs, but also these metrics that the NCA uses that I mentioned previously, we're up there with Northwestern, Duke, Vanderbilt, and then Temple, which It's something that I don't even know coming in if I had that much of a forethought to realize that was possible, but to be doing it year in and year out, that's where we are now. And how we get there, my day-to-day, David, is I think the most important thing I do is support my staff. Like you mentioned, the team we have, advisors, a diverse team of people to make sure they're helping their students get the most out of their academic career. You mentioned about that. That's what we're about. We're about academic potential. We're about student success. We're about having students leave Temple with a breadth of experience, not just athlete. That's where, and a lot of my work is collaborating with faculty, collaborating with academic leadership to help align things the right way, to make things that we're talking about possible from the administrative perspective. Mm-hmm. And then it's empowering the staff and giving energy and getting people to see what's possible. That's my job. And Temple, it is such a unique institution from the perspective that it was started as a you know, teaching college and as a a city school. Mm-hmm. So it's been, I think, for a lot of students, the first opportunity to get an education uh, yep. for somebody in their family. And as you you've come in at a opportune moment when the when the 
visibility of the college continues to rise. And now you're driving and tremendous success in the academic world for these kids. Yeah. And that's where we live. I think that and I talk about, I do a lot of work with recruiting and, and engaging incoming high school students and talking mm-hmm. to them about why Temple. And that's a real point of pride that Temple was founded about this mission, this opportunity is who we are. And I don't know if everyone truly gets that of how special that is, but having that perspective of looking at other schools and what does it mean to them today is what I say. And it manifests itself with open door policies, with no restricted majors. Like I love, if you want to go to the University of Texas and you want to be in their college of business, you have to have a 3.7 grade point average. (laughs) And that is completely restrictive. That's who they want to be. And that's great. That's not who we are. Temple's a place where it's you can earn a degree in something that matters to you right. and build these great. So that that's, you're hundred percent and it aligns so closely. We did come right at the right time as, as you mentioned, things uh, and, and just being at the forefront of that has been really exciting. And, and, and well, the, the success rate that you've just you know started to touch on before is really astounding. And the names that that Temple's now being associated with in, in student athlete academic success. So Talk a little bit about how you re, reworked that and, and created that emphasis. Yeah, I think so much w- was, it took time, as most of those things do, but a lot of it result in buy-in and trust. So I think that's really where I've, been, where I've lived is working with athletic administrators who come from a lot of different places and have a lot of different expectations and effectively communicating with them, being transparent on our process, but asking them to trust me. And trust, and not the whole process, not the Joel Embiid trust the process thing, but a, <laughs> if they can trust us in that, that we don't live in a space with zero failure. We live in a space where students can try things and not do well, and I'm okay. And that's not always the athletics mentality. It's the, just make sure they're eligible. Why are we pushing them in this? No, it's what we've been able to do. So I think some of it for me, again, has been being the face and giving this department a, a face and a consistent uh, message for faculty for there's a, there's some consistency on that side that I think has benefited our students. But then the other thing, David, that I think is really important that we've done is when I, I won't talk before I got here, one thing or another, but what we've really done was put the students first. And I mean that because I think it's really important. Our students on the whole, We expect them to drive the conversations with faculty. We expect them to go to office hours. We expect them to have ownership. Mm. It's not that we, we could email professors and communicate all the, we've done that. We get emails, but our job and what we try to do is push the students first. Yes. And I think that's a mentality that, that faculty and administration have really responded to because they're seeing more independence, even if we're behind the scenes, pushing them and send this email, like, that's more effective to me long-term than saying, we'll just do it ourselves. And I don't know if that's always the, it's taking the long road to have a long-term benefit versus just looking at what's shortest and going that way. And that's absolutely superb because there's been too much of a mentality from faculty in the past that universities catered to athletes, at the students catered to athletes without real regard for academics. Yeah, it's, it's the mentality. I, I've been lucky enough to teach a graduate level course for the on exactly that topic. And I talk about there's two philosophies to running an academic center like ours. One philosophy is eligibility, and that's your focus. Mm -hmm. The other philosophy is academic success. And you can have both with the academic success model. But if you're only focused on eligibility, that's when shortcuts are taken. That's when scandals happen. That's when, you know, et cetera. So I think that's been something that's really, we've been able to focus this as a, let's focus on the students. Let's focus on having students be prideful and success versus this eligibility to me is a bad word, David. I'm sure. Right. The student athletes are already juggling multiple roles in the this ex- college experience. There's self-discovery, sports, academics. They're trying to figure out a career plan, a lot going on. Then a global pandemic strikes, strikes and uh, completely flips everyone's world. So Please share your experiences in the past year with student athlete academic services in this environment. Yeah, it's it's one I've had some opportunities to reflect throughout the last 18 months or so about what we've been able to do. The main thing when we pivoted to virtual learning in you know March of 2020 was continuity of support. We needed quickly 
to find a way to help student athletes who are now going to be in this nebulous space of virtual learning and not having their practice, not have not being today. A lot of student athletes, and I sh- it's not fair to say all, but there are some who are motivated by their sport. Yes. And so now we're talking about circumstances that restrict that. And then you're talking about a complete game change of how the rules are played academically. So it was really, that's where to us, was, we got to do as much as we can, as fast as we can to make it seem normal. And David, when I tell you, we pivoted about 500 appointments in three days to Zoom. And I was so proud of the, pro- working with the provost, saw some things coming, knew that we were heading a direction. And to me, it was, we got to be ready. Let me get my team together. We have to do it to help our students because it's the bottoms about to fall out. Yeah. So really proud of our ability to support. Now, as we've progressed over the last year since then, the challenge I've seen is there's a certain, the, the, looking at a bell curve, there's certain students who are going to do well in this, no matter what the circumstance. Right. The middle group we've got, but the bottom tail, the students who uh, may be struggling with intrinsic motivation, who may not be as connected to their majors, that's been a really hard population to serve and to maximize this, to do what we want. All those things I talked about that we st- it's been harder to do. And I get it. This is hard. But to be frank, the NCAA is not changing their rules on eligibility. We still have benchmarks to hit. So one of the things that's been nice is working through the spring semester, working to add a little bit more in person, be more present with some students. But I'm proud of the fact that we're getting through it. I've just really been pushing with my staff via text message. We got one more day of class. We're almost there. But I think it's been and one of the things I will say, David, and, and I know you're in this category. But the flexibility and the care of faculty during this time has been really cool to see. So that's been something that I get to see across college. I get Mm -hmm. to see it across university in different settings. And to see almost a universal, I don't want to say flexibility. I don't know if that's the fair, but empathy. Yes. It's been really neat to see. And not that it was a surprise. And that's not fair to say, because that's, but it, it was, it's been really widespread. And that's helped us get through this. No matter what we do, if they're not getting that help on the back from this faculty, but that's been a really cool takeaway from this is the way faculty have reached out, have communicated more with us. I just, I just sent grade checks yesterday to faculty and getting hundreds of responses already saying, help me out. What can we do? What could like, that's cool. Really? And it, it, yeah. It's a, it shows that collaboration that I'm proud of. That's fantastic. Yeah. In addition to the pandemic now, the issue of the day is the NCAA is moving toward allowing college athletes to profit from their image and likeness. So tell me about how this rule change factors into your job. Wow. Yeah. It's a fascinating world. I think that the NCAA in a lot of ways is to me at a a tipping point of of an evolution Mm -hmm. with name imaging likeness, the transfer portal, all of these factors are coming into play. That's empowering the student athletes. It's been a, it's a recenter from years of not just PR of them getting blasted of their restricting and everything, no, to now this open so much. I think as we're looking as this is being set, there's so many questions remaining to be answered. Right. What does it mean? Like the, what is the true impact and nationally, and then at the institution level. So some of it is still to be determined. But for me, it's going to be remaining to finding creative ways to use name, image, and likeness to try to help an educational goal. And that goes to this idea, and we've talked about this, and I'm sure we will shortly, about personal branding and getting students to think about the impact of their decisions and their their reputation and their brand and what it does with what they do on a daily basis And to me, as we've talked about, there's long-term benefits, not just for NIL, name, image, and likeness, not just for professional sports, but for life and then their career after. So I'm hoping for me, we can use it as a nugget to facilitate some learning that in other terms, without it, maybe takes more time for them to figure that out. So the other piece of that that you just asked, excuse me. The other piece of that that you just added in was the transfer portal issue. So what impact is that having on students, whom, student athletes who know they might, they're looking to split, they're not getting the play in time, they're going somewhere else. Yeah. That's got to affect their dedication to academics. It, yes and no. I think the 
one of the things that's nice about us with Temple is we've recruit on that academic principle of opportunity. Okay. And so we educate them that when you go, if you go a lot, one of the, if you go, you need to understand it may not be the same there. And mm-hmm. oftentimes with the transfer portal, there's an academic loss there. It's not a one for one trade on credit hours. And so there's part of that conversation gotcha, gotcha. that students can, but one of the things that's been neat over time is the students like it here. Hmm. And I mean that, like they let, they feel a part of something, especially if we can get them beyond their freshman year and you get them in their major. They meet faculty like yourself and some other people who can help some connections for them. And I think that makes it harder for them to go. But the transfer portal is, especially for a place like Temple, which isn't the top of the food chain. I think there's some of concern of students who get a good year and they play really well and they're going to go up. Yeah. Well, that's the market now. But there's also just as much, and we're seeing that here now, as many students who've been up, but haven't had the experience and want to come to Temple. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna, there's going to be some fluidity. I think it's causing coaches to be a little bit more mindful of their you know, style and how they're, you <laughs> yes. know, all of, to put it lightly. I think if we look at things, going back to name, image, and likeness, I think it's fair. It's yes. These are young people who make choices and there's sometimes consequences for those choices, but there's in a step out of the world of intercollegiate athletics, it makes no sense that they can't go transfer and not be penalized. 100% agree with that, particularly because of the duplicitous nature of being a college coach who can sign a long-term long-term deal, recruit an athlete body, and then split with no consequences. 100%. And the kids not have an opportunity to transfer. David, I agree 100%. I think the I've had this epiphany over the years with our athletes, specifically in your high profile sports. They have a finite window to maximize their earning potential for the future. Mm-hmm. And if there's a circumstance that changes, that jeopardizes that, they should be able to adjust to oper- to, to maximize their return. And that's been something like you could have a position coach. You could have the student above you, like you just happen to come to a school and they recruit and it changes your experience. That's life changing for some students. And there's people who I work with closely, a peer of mine at a former staff member who's now a peer of mine at Boston College. And I've had his former coaches tell me that if he didn't have these coaching changes in his career playing, he would still be in the NFL today. (laughs) And it's, and that stinks. And just recognizing how all of this stuff makes a difference to their lives, their families' lives. Yes, exactly. So to me, I just think it's the fair, and I understand there's coaches and administrators who are concerned of this, but listen, this is where we are now. We're in, I think this is, and this is the future and this is the present. And these, these two rule changes combined, NIL and Transfer Portal is going to create a, the Wild West for a it number is. of years. It is, David. And even the, I just was reading today, there was a story about the name, image, and likeness specifically. There's, I think there, I forgot the number I've said, but like it's a whole niche industry now where there's 60 companies out there trying to get the business of athletics departments to get on board, to help, to track, to monitor, to it's, and, and still yet no one knows the rules because it's not determined yet. <laughs> I had a really cool conversation with the person who's running the name, image, and likeness stuff at Kansas, who's a former Temple athlete in oh, okay. Kansas, right? They're different. And she just kept saying, we don't know, we can't do what we want. We don't know yet, but we're just trying mm-hmm. to be ready. Yeah, I think it's an interesting time. I think there's, it's, but it's exciting to be a part of. And if we can do it the right way, I think you could have a lot of benefits. Very cool. Very cool. Talk about, as you started, the role of social media for social athletes. It's taking on even more prominence now in their self-promotion since they'll have these opportunities. So how do you guys monitor? How do you handle? How do you counsel? Yeah, it's something I I can talk about just briefly, even before. So decades ago, that sounds like I'm a dinosaur, but when I started at USF in the the early the mid two thousands was around the time this stuff got really popular. It was when Facebook was first getting out there, and I remember our athletics director wanted to ban it. And we had had conversations about. I think we should educate. I think it's a bet because guess what? You plug one hole, 
It's something else, man. So it was more, let's get students to see the impact on this social media and how it can negatively focus. A lot of it then was focused on the negative. It was the pictures of students doing X, Y, and Z. There was websites popping up where you could follow these things. But fast forward today, and I talked about the niche market. There's also a market for monitoring. I don't know if there's companies that can, they will monitor and kick out a report if a certain word is used. And this was more that to, to educate students. I think some of it's more of the, you hear the stories of people having their stuff that they posted in middle school get brought up. And sure. this, these companies will mo- kick out a report for student athletes to say, here's some things you've said, here's stuff you need to clean up or pro or even reactively, this student just posted this should follow up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is some of that active monitoring. It's not something that's happening every day. We're more of the like, all right, once a year, work with this company to run a report for our football and basketball programs and say, hey, beyond that, I think it's more of the, there is our compliance and student athlete affairs world where it's really, you see something and something has to happen mentality. There isn't much of, there is some education, but given the compliance rules of students posting, come to this club or do this and that, those are NCA problems. Yes. I think when you look at 2005 and starting this industry, no one was doing anything in this space. And now it's become a a part of it. And I'm excited to see where we could take it to the positive way of looking, giving students some tools and some resources and some education on how you can frame this to help yourself. And I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like some of this has tipped more at the student level. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I've, I've talked to you about this workshop we did on branding, relating it to social media and sort of these behaviors after maybe like 2010, I feel like I'd sit with students and they just kept nodding. Yeah, Justin, we get it. We've heard this all before. And now, but so I feel like over the years, people have started to see it carry over. I feel like it's become less and less a place. And I'm sure it still happens where students are saying dumb things. I think especially these, the athletes have gotten it to like, even don't bring your cameras to parties and things like that have yes. been no pictures have been a thing. But in this space, I think it's going to create a need for some education to get students to see, wait, I can maximize this. Mm-hmm. I've got it clean. That's good. It's clean. But now how could I spin this to a place? And I just saw before we hopped on, Simone Biles, I believe, for mm-hmm. uh, the women's gymnast, just signed with um, Athleta, moving from Nike. And she talked about when her comment was, they really look out for me on and on, in and out of the gym. And the comment from this post was athletes are now looking at more value-based sponsorship. Yes. So I think this is the future of where I hope we'll head and how all those things matter. And this is the, the importance of kids understanding their values to begin with and, and knowing how what's near and dear to them and then aligning whether it's going to be a promotion company or whether it's going to be a future employer. It's really... It's fascinating cool. and it's critical in every step. That's where... A great example, and we talk about this in, in, in the workshop I've run about LeBron James and the intentionality of everything he does yes. is towards his goal of wanting to be a billionaire athlete and now transitioning more to the social space, the social mm-hmm. justice. But those are not accidents and getting students to understand, like you don't just fall into this to be that elite level and to be that great, that the pinnacle. It's a product of what you're doing every day and trying to get students to get that is, is I think is important. And I think where I hope we head moving forward with the name, image and likeness. So that's a big how-to question. And I want you to wrap it up into here because social is a part of that, but tutoring is is so invaluable to the athletes because they're dedicating such a substantial portion of their college career to training team and team meetings, et cetera. So how do you all structure the time and ensure that the athletes dedicate the work time and space to class and educational pursuits. Yeah. It's, and I will say in COVID times, it's got a lot harder Yeah, um, because you're dealing with the boundary of you have to be in this room at this time looking this way. Cause honestly, when you go to, there's a sense of decorum when you go to class, mm-hmm. right? That's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> where it, you could be in class, you could be lying in bed and doing your tutoring meeting. There's a lot of that's become a little more challenging, but that's the job. And that's what's the benefit of having a more robust staff where we can get to know each student on the individual basis mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of get, and that's what we talk about. It's, and I think it resonates with our students. We don't have a cookie cutter approach 
to their success, right? If you're student X, you may need, you know, Y services, but if you're student Z, you may need something completely different. So for us, it's getting to know each student and working with each staff, having some concept of their course load and what that means, having empathy of what, if I were taking, what would I want, what, how would I structure it? And then coupling it with their knowledge of the students, it's really having that understanding. And I think that the main point I would make for our students is having them when it's time to work, work and work hard, and then trying to give them time to disconnect and being realistic about that. Like we're not trying to, as I, we're not trying to suck all their time out of their day, but what I'm asking you to do is for these two hours, work your butt off Mm -hmm. and then call it a day. So it's structure. Uh, it's very much for a tutoring, for example, and not all, this isn't, this is some, how the sausage is made. We start tutoring the second week of classes. Mm-hmm. Like right now, David, I'm already thinking about our tutor staff for the fall of 2021. Wow. We're ready to go. Yeah. So it's all set up. It's all proactive. So as you'd imagine, we're starting the second week. They haven't, they've been to class for a week. Mm-hmm. We try to provide these support services similar to their sport experience where it's done before they have it. Like I said, you don't just lift weights the day before a game. It's about what you're doing every single day. Having a lot of the same mentality for our tutoring, it is, and the schedule doesn't change and the tutor doesn't change. So it becomes yet again, another relationship Mm -hmm. that it just, it helps um, strengthen all that they're getting. But our tutor program has been a point of pride. I think they're good. They're good students who want to help for the right reasons. And I'll add, I'll end this with another analogy to the weight room. It's not them doing curls on the bench. The tutors aren't doing the weight. They're there to spot, Mm. to make sure the weight's being lifted safely and the students aren't getting hurt and they're maximizing their training. So having the same mentality and and, and it's worked really well. We've been able to recruit some great young people to help with the tutoring. So uh, it's worked. It's something that I think will continue to be a part of what we do based on that structure. Very well said. I love the way that you're, you tell the story, and I'm sure that's part of, of how you get the tutors and the athletes to understand the process and the role that everyone plays. And parents. That's the other piece that I don't, we don't do as much outreach when they're here, mm-hmm. but in recruiting, me and the parents, this is where it's, I had a parent the other day, talked about the life after, life after sport, career development, and what's coming. And she said, okay, so you're the person I know I'm going to, she said, cut my head off if my kid doesn't have a good job. <laughs> and I said, yes, I'm that person. That's I'm true. willing to accept that challenge to try to help maximize your student to take the most out of Temple. So, And it, it looks like the resources you guys have are very strong, given that you've got 50 tutors, 500 athletes. Yeah, and I would say that's even increased. Our ratio, we're floating higher than that. And it's a testament to who Temple is. It's a testament to President Englert. And our athletics director making this a priority. It's now, David, I present to the board of trustees every semester and Mm. they're thrilled that we are in this, exactly like I said, this mix of high level athletics, but now we're we're competing academically with the academic elites and Mm -hmm. it's just Temple. We're just... And please beat your chest and tell us about the academic elite that Temple's now competing with or in the same arena with let me give the nca uses a metric it's called apr the academic progress rate and it is what it looks at is the a team's basically the percentage of their roster on scholarship and how many students come back every year and are eligible every year it's not necessarily rocket science but you basically get a percentage and then the nca multiplies it by a thousand because they don't like percentages (laughs) <laughs> the most recent year of our single year about how we're performing, Northwestern, Temple, everybody else. Wow. We were like, I think 994, but we've been in the 996. Like basically we're losing two points a year. That's fair. That's unbelievable. It's really, and it's almost become that we've talked about this. I've talked it with our compliance. It's what everyone expects now. Like I can, that's very strange. Like it's very, the, we don't have eligibility concerns. We have a high graduation rate, all of these things, everyone's just come to expect. And I love it, but I'll be honest, it adds a lot of pressure on us and my staff. I've had struggles like, is what I'm doing sustainable for the human beings in the job? 
because it is a lot and they do a lot and they care a lot. But the APR is something that our president celebrates. We've all been, it's, and that's, we're beating Notre Dame. We're beating Stanford. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it's competitive. So people love it in the sports space. And then I get it. It's apples and oranges in some cases, but that's what the NCAA does with this comparison is we're right there with you. And we're just sneaking up on graduation rate. We've hit, we're at a 91% graduation rate for our student athletes. Wow. Superb. Yeah. It's really, it's something faculty. And I think that's what I've loved about it is it gives everybody something to be excited. Forget if you're a sports fan, Mm -hmm. but you gotta be a fan of students doing well. Mm -hmm. And even if then I get some of it, they get so much from us. Yes. That's I'm not, I can't argue that. But the fact is, if you looked at who the students are, like the, let's look at their, I have access to some data that like who are students academic profile coming in is not what it should be. Like you look at the average SAT, average GPA of an incoming freshman football player at Temple, it looks one way, but then if you could do the graph of their performance, it's, that's the story. So let's go back to have you expand a little bit on the mother who wants to hold you accountable. <laughs> what career counseling services that do you all employ that help get them into a career? 95% of student athletes won't go professional. They won't appear in the Olympics. So what's the approach that you take to mollify mom that yeah. her son or daughter is going to have a great? Yeah, it's not easy, but I, I think the we have been able to invest and double down in our career development and career resources. But one of the things I think is unique about the athlete population is you talk about that 95%. What's fascinating, our athletes almost universally are wired to think they're that 5% that's going to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is a gut punch to hear it because it's, we, I remember doing a program with our men's basketball team a few years ago, and this, it wasn't our best team since I've been here. And we did a workshop for all the whole team and they had to talk about their goals and what do they want to do in life after. To the letter, every single one of our men's basketball players said they were going to be drafted into the NBA, (laughs) which as I I said, this makes you think you are one of the top 50 basketball players in the world, but you're barely averaging five points a game for Temple. And you think you're going to be drafted, not I'm going to fight my way through the G League, I'm going to go to Europe. It's I'm going to be in the NBA. So that was really eye-opening. I remember talking to our now athletics director and our coach, Fran Dumphy at the time, and it was, how do you handle that? That's just got to be. So he didn't, ha- I just remember it said, you just got to, it is what it is. I think the, how we've adopted in the career development side, David, has been, I don't want to burst people's bubbles because as soon as I do, yep. they turn me out. Yeah. If I give them those stats, they're all mutinating it in their heads and turning their music up and it's, I'm that 5%, I'm good. Keep talking, Justin, dummy. So for me, it's been keep them engaged with this idea of branding, of this idea of having a plan B, being successful. And I had a conversation with one of our football players just this week and said he has the potential of being that 2% who can be excellent in football and excellent in life. Mm-hmm. and do more. He's like, well, yeah, I know I'm bigger than football. Cause that's when I remember there was a player, Kenny Harper, who played for Temple. He was a, a running back, went to the Giants, had a cup of coffee with the Giants and whatever. And I said something like, are you good? Are you okay? He's like, Justin, I'm bigger than football. I'm obviously to be just fine. And I said to this other student, Deshaun, I said, that's what you should be thinking, right? That when it's time to flip the switch, you don't even miss a beat. So trying to get students to understand and to be Kenny Harper, his story, he's working for the National Security Association. He was just in Iraq, figured out. Wow. So we were trying to empower students to take ownership, to have an ownership mentality of their future and work along the way to figure out how an internship can help them, how mm-hmm. a resume can help them. So we do that through programming that we work into our freshman seminar. Other great point, I don't know if you've met Alyssa, but you should. Alyssa Drakeslin is our coordinator for career and professional development. I'm sorry, a career and leadership. Okay. And it's her job. I tell all the students, I was telling Deshaun when I talked to him about getting an in, that's her job to help you get an internship. Right. 
why wouldn't you go? There's no reason not to. So she's there to do resume workshops, one-on-one counseling, networking events, career fairs. All Mm -hmm. of those things are things that we do just for our athlete population. Now, COVID again has been a little bit of a slowdown on it, Um, but trying to help our students provide unique things to them. But then the other piece that I think Alyssa does a nice job is encourage them to take advantage of their college events. And then the other piece, Dave, the last thing that we do that I think is really nice. There's two things I'd stress is we have a really strong connection with the career center. Mm -hmm. Karen Demler and Anna Elau are staff members. One is an employer relations staff member. The other one's a career coach. They come over to our office and do office hours once a week for uh, three hours a week where athletes can schedule time with Karen and Anna share that. So we're trying to provide them additional resources, additional uh, people for them to talk to. And then the last thing I'll add that I think is cool every year, except last year, I think it hit a wall because of COVID. We ran a program called Pro Owls, which I've seen other schools have emulated this since we've been doing it for years, but basically a graphic and highlighting individual student athletes for the, their, not just their jobs signing contracts with the NFL, but I got this internship. I got into this grad program. I accepted this job at Campbell's, like shifting a mentality. Yes. Yes. Of getting them to, they're going pro in other things. Why shouldn't we celebrate that just as much as those kids who are signing contracts with the Panthers? I love that. That's been something. Yeah. Those hopefully will come out this summer again. It's, I think last year I was like the job search has got to be hard. I don't want to, I didn't want to put out there, but I feel like we've got some good movement now. Wow. So flip the switch. What do you hear from the Temple student athlete community about their needs, their desires, their wishes? Yeah, I tried. This year's been hard, David, I'm with having that connectivity. I have a reputation of being one of the louder people and most disruptive in the center and talking (laughs) to anybody and everywhere. I've lost that. It's been a hard, I, I, we talk about the impact on this that COVID's had, there's essentially now the freshmen or now the sophomores, I got a semester with them in normal terms, but this freshman class, man, I don't, I, I go down to, I'll work some, I'll go to some events with football. I got a team meeting this weekend. I'll talk to them. I see faces. I, I don't know. I don't know them. I know them from reports that I see, but not from a personal connection. But I think in general, our students in right now are seeking a return to normal first and foremost. Mm-hmm. They're seeking some sense of normalcy. They're seeking a sense of wanting to be in person. So I see that being a priority. But I think overall, they all just want to know they're going to be okay. Yes. And by okay, I mean in life and helping them with the jobs. I think we're scratching that itch. I think the other area that athletics is getting better at is the social justice, the activism piece. I think we're seeing a little bit more activity in that space. But I think in general, they just want to feel part of a family again. And that's what we're looking forward to. Hopefully in the fall, we'll get back to that. We'll talk about the alumni family. What do prominent alumni who played sports and gone on to business success, do they have a a role in motivating uh, yeah, interacting with 100%, the- David. I think you're, you're hitting a really cool point because that's what, to me, one of the takeaways from COVID of one of the good byproducts has been our engagement with faculty, or I'm sorry, faculty, that engagement with alumni because mm-hmm. it's easy now and they're hungry for a connection. So we've seen a rise of participation in different events that we've had with faculty, with alumni, whether that be one-on-one, whether that be programmatic things. We just had a few weeks ago, an event for female, former female student athletes coming back for women in sports day, talking about their careers. We're seeing an uptick. I think that the, and that's been one of the things that's been rewarding for me is over the years, whether that's coaching changes or whatever it may be, staff changes, I've been consistent. So a lot of the outreach with the former student athletes is me, which I think is, it's been really rewarding that every time we'll do a social media post, we've tried to increase some social media presence for alumni and what we're doing. And it's, they're come to me and say, Justin, we need you to repost this <laughs> so they'll see it. And that's cool to be a part of that. But I think there, we've also tried to extend services beyond. They'll always have a home. They know they can come to me and ask a question and um, trying to still be relevant in their lives, even after they're done. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's swing back to the concept of personal branding that you uh, talked about earlier. Its value is pretty remarkable for college students moving forward. How are they being prepped for the real world in this? And is it incorporated into what your, your group does? Yeah, I think the we're going to be getting better on it. I think that the 
COVID and this, the real world's gotten a lot different. And I can beat that horse. Um, I think I have enough about how different it is now. But I think the idea of personal branding, as we've talked about, is just so important and such a really cool way to scratch a lot of different itches, as I've said, where you could be having a conversation with a student about their interest in running for a government office to wanting to, to make to be a, a top 10 draft pick to doing getting into grad school. Personal branding can connect on all of that. And yes. there's very little things that can do that conceptually. You're talking about three very different things with a wide range of factors, but a brand matters in all of it. I think what we're going to see, and we've tried, I think with our career programming, that's been our lean in. We've seen that work really well. I know our career development team has really enjoyed it because it, again, it resonates with anybody. And I think that's really important when you're dealing with such a diverse group with such a wide range of interests yes. um, and motivations, personal brand strikes that some of them are just may just be self-motivated and care about their reputation and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have ego itch and personal brand still works. Yes. So that's where I love it. And I think it really, it's always resonated with me. And now I think we're at a unique opportunity with name, image, and likeness and some of this where people are now asking for help in it. And that's where my mentality has been especially with certain of our constituents that I work with programs and teams. I know I've been doing this stuff for a while and there are people <laughs> like you out there who's been doing it for a while, but now they're asking. Yeah. And I just had a message last night from our staff with football talking about storytelling and sharing me this, this something that they're doing at, I forget, maybe Northwestern and Hey, Justin, is there any talk of our Klein school doing anything like this? And I said, not at Klein, but that I'm aware of. But we've done a storytelling activities for the last two years and we can do this. Like I've got people. One of the things, David, this is a, this is more leadership Academy. One of the coolest events I've been a part of. We have a guy who's an alum of Temple. His name's Michael Gaines. He is out in Silicon Valley and is like corporate coach. He developed all of Google's new management training materials. (laughs) and we worked with him and he basically so one of the things that's cool about google's materials there it was all open ip oh wow so he took it all and tailored it to us so i've got athletes going through the same curriculum that google managers are going through which is super cool but his specialty is storytelling and he did this event in austin a few years ago with one of his clients where it was storytelling the workshop about what is good storytelling, how to do Mm -hmm. it. Then there's a process of doing, writing your stories and coming up with that. And then what they did is they partnered with local musicians who turned the stories into song that the groups then performed. My gosh. David, we did it here right before pandemic. And it was the coolest event I've ever done. Wow. And I've got videos of kids singing, rapping, the musicians, the way they could just, it was, he picked them. He knew them. He's a Philadelphia mm-hmm. guy and got mm-hmm. them. And like that they could write the, help these kids write these songs and make it musically enjoyable. I would say it was maybe a three and a half hour event and the kids were with it from start to end. And I've never seen that before. So that's a good, again, I sent the video to, to, to the football staff. I said, I could redo this if you guys want to do it again, but they had no idea. Like they don't, it's not in their space. It was a smaller group. So yeah, yeah, it was cool. We rented out a facility with a stage and had these great, you know, it was lighting. It was the whole deal. It was cool. Phenomenal. Yeah. Michael Gaines is a name. He's been, he does a lot for Fox, but he's, he's somebody who's been great for us in guiding this other area that we, this Mm -hmm. leadership development. That's an incredible story. Yeah, it was cool. You said you're the loudest voice in the room. Yes, sir. So what is the experience of you? You're a leader in the athletic department. You're in charge of steering these student athletes. You interact with faculty, administration, the board, yep. athletes. What experience do you strive to create in this role? I think that the, if I could, wow, yeah, it's an interesting thought. I think positivity continues to run. I'm an optimistic guy. I like the, I enjoy being an advocate and helping people, but I think positivity and energy I'm who I am. I'm not, I've said that about, I've been recruited at other places and had, listen, I'm who I'm going to be. I may not be who you want, but I'm who I am. And I've shown things work, but for me, it's positivity. And then I guess the, the, the other piece that comes is also a lot of listening and empathy. Yes. 
I can get an email from a professor and I could totally agree. Might be completely different than what I want, but I can still empathize and find ways to find some common ground. So finding that, I think every, I view every opportunity, and this would lead to some of our conversations, every opportunity that I send an email is an opportunity for a relationship and a connection. And I enjoy the collecting of that stuff. But again, for me, it's energy. And I guess I got to live in a space of humor. I think I got to just embrace it. I had a college professor who told me I'd rather be funny than right. <laughs> and I've battled that sometimes. I told him my response after he tells me this, I said, that's great if I want to be a clown and go to clown college. <laughs> but that's, I find humor and I, I, I just, I think you have to, especially in high stress situations, that's my coping mechanism. And I think that's me. I love it. Let's flip that into what type of experience do you respond to in others? What are the characteristics and traits that you value in professional and personal relationships? Uh, yeah, I think I find the energy, you know, I find negativity draining and mm-hmm. get away from it. I enjoy finding the bright spots in people and maybe opening their eyes to a different way of thinking. And I enjoy people who do the same for me. I'm also one of those people, I forget where what assessment I've done, but I'm impressed by people who are gifted through communication, whether orally or written. That's something I value. That in, that for something resonates with me, that if you communicate well, you've got my respect. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important for me. Yeah. And I, uh, those are, yeah, I think that's the, I don't need the same energy. I don't need someone coming. If sometimes me and someone at a high energy, nothing's going to get done, but I think somebody who's thoughtful and caring and I don't know, those are, I want to treat, treats people that that's, I think it's also really important to note, David, the way people treat other people means a lot to me. Yes. Like the whole stuff, like how you treat a waiter and how you treat the person who gets your dry cleaning, mm-hmm. all that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure that's part of what you all emphasize in in Resnick with the athletes too, because it's right. such an invaluable philosophy and approach to life. It's about yeah, it's about life. It's about humans, and I think it transcends everything. I get into that space too about diversity and inclusion work. We're all mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and I, it sounds so, but like this idea that people could be treated differently, but it, it just, it's, it just, at the core, we're all human beings. What makes me any better than anyone else? Yeah. And trying to get young people to see that and show the, that's something we work with students that expecting this level of gratitude and students saying, thank you by the time they're done. I get it. I'm not going to, we may not get it freshman year. When the <laughs> students, when this, we have that, it's so funny. The idea, like, Students who will have the devil emoji for this for my their advisor's contact, like just stupid. Like I'm fine in that space, but by the end of it, I want you to respect the work they've done and say thank you. And some students, it takes a couple years after, mm-hmm. but I think that's something that's just that's resonated. That's been just really important to me to have a staff who can live in that space, recognize. And I just we just had one of our most beloved staff members. She was a student athlete at Temple. She was a GA for me. She was a learning specialist for me. And I ended up putting her in charge of our whole learning support program, a young woman by the name of Paris Williams. She was with us for eight years. She just, she, funny story, the Temple hired, I don't know if you may have heard of this program, the uh, Cecil B. Moore Scholars Program. It's a new program at Temple to give people in Philly, city kids, an opportunity. I get sent that they're looking for this job. I send her the job. I said, you, this is the type of thing, if you ever want to leave, this is the type of thing. And you can see where this is going to go. Yeah, right. But what's cool, she calls me crying. She's like, I can't believe you'd send this. I know oh how hard gosh. that must be that you would. I said, listen, Paris, I'm just going to be honest. It's about people. And you take you doing this is what you, fast forward, she gets the job, of course. And we did a going away party where I sent text messages to, I can't say all, but the vast majority of her former students who are now grown men, most mm-hmm. of them are men. I think got a couple women and the outpouring of video that I got for her, I couldn't help but cry. I had current staff members crying who now see the value of what they're doing. I want that in eight years when I leave. And it's, I could, if ever I'm down on what we do, I could put that video on and whoo, you want to see value. Like the way that these grown men get choked up talking about Paris and her 
care for them. And I, I shared it with some of the students, the totality of it. And I'll stop talking about Paris because I'll start getting choked up again. One of our players, I sent it to them after they did it. So here's everybody. Enjoy, man. It was perfect. Yeah. 10 o'clock at night, I get a call from one of them, a guy by the name of Karamo Diabate, who's a defensive lineman, just a beast of a human. And I'm like, why is he calling me at 10 o'clock? This is weird. I hope he's okay. <laughs> I pick up, he's Justin. I just watched that video and I'm fighting back tears. I didn't know who else to call because I can't, I don't want to call her because I'll cry more. But what he said was, it was never about who they were as football players. It was about them as men and as human beings. And that's what this is about. And treating them, all of what we just said, even name, image, and likeness and transfer. It's about treating these young men and women with respect and as human beings and trying to get the most. And they saw that about, and Paris is a pit bull. Like she'll, she, but she could do it in a way that they knew they, that she cared. And the outpouring of support was just tremendous. And that's, again, I had a staff member just this week say to me, yeah, remember that video? Like, I think about that all the time because that's the difference we're making. That's the motivation for some of them, I'm sure, to be regarded. As- to be, to have that feeling of that impact mm-hmm. and true impact. Of, again, and it, from a population with our, I would almost say everything. And I thought about this too, as she was going on this path, there's very few, and this is going to be a bold statement, people on this campus who've done more for African-American males academically than Paris Williams. Wow. And to think what she's, now they're getting jobs and, and babies and, and to have the moment where David, without even a nudge that they would jump on their cameras and send me their videos. It was, sorry, that was. Uh, well, now you've got another video to share with Paris of yeah, your tribute. And you, I will. And this she knows, man. And it, it still does. Again, it stinks. She's not with us, but. This is so um, wonderful. Yeah. She's a, it's again, just a, it, the fact she was one of us. She was, I, last thing I'll say, when she was a graduate, when she was graduating, I offered her a job. She turned me down because I was like, listen. She just said, I don't, I want to be a social worker. I said, go ahead. If that's what you want to do. She has her social degree. And then a year later, she comes back. She's like, I think I'm ready to come work for you. And, <laughs> and I said to her, Paris, you're going to be someone who should have my job in the future. And I still think that's very, wow. she should be running. And now she's running this other program Sure. for kids who don't have a me, who don't mm-hmm. have a, she's going to be the, a great point of pride for those kids. And it's bigger than me. It's bigger mm-hmm. than sport. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. So. Wow. Justin, this has been a wonderful conversation. I can't thank you enough. I appreciate it. It's nice to have my brain picked every once in a while. The success that you all are creating, not only for the student athletes, but for the university and the parents is remarkable. I really applaud what you all are doing. And I I want to have you back so we can talk in a year about how you've wrestled with the uh, name, image, license, likeness rule and some of these others and continue to talk about the progress and what you guys are doing differently. I hope you'll be by our side. I think there's a good opportunity for a cool partnership with us. Yes, I think so. Enthusiasm, but no, I thank you. And again, any other time, any, anything I can do to help, but this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Thanks, Justin Miller. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the experience of you. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others who are currently trying to land a job transition careers, or are looking to improve their professional brand. To catch all the latest workshops, resources, and insights from the Career Coach Pros community, you can follow us on Instagram at Career Coach Pros and on Twitter at Career Coach Pros. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.